You're listening to Audio Divina, reflecting on the Sunday Gospel with Father Francis J. Maloney. In this episode, we look at the Passion of Jesus according to Luke. We begin with the reading of the short form of the text, Luke chapter 23, verses 1 to 49. The whole assembly then rose, and they brought him before Pilate. They began their accusations by saying, We found this man inciting our people to revolt, opposing payment of the tribute to Caesar, and claiming to be Christ a king. Pilate put to him this question. Are you the king of the Jews? He replied, It is you who say it. Pilate then said to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no case against this man. But they persisted. He is inflaming the people with his teachings all over Judea and all the way from Galilee, where he started down to here. When Pilate heard this, he asked if the man were a Galilean, and finding that he came under Herod's jurisdiction, he passed him over to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was delighted to see Jesus. He had heard about him and had been wanting for a long time to set eyes on him. Moreover, he was hoping to see some miracle worked by him. So he questioned him at some length but without getting any reply. Meanwhile, the chief priests and the scribes were there, vigorously pressing their accusations. Then Herod, together with his guards, treated him with contempt and made fun of him. He put a rich cloak on him and sent him back to Pilate. And though Herod and Pilate had been enemies before, they were reconciled that same day. Pilate then summoned the chief priests and the leading men and the people. He said to them, You brought this man before me as a popular agitator. Now I have gone into the matter myself in your presence and found no grounds in the man for any of the charges you bring against him. Nor has Herod either, since he has sent him back to us. As you can see, the man has done nothing that deserves death, so I shall have him flogged and then let him go. But as one man they howled, Away with him! Give us Barabbas! This man had been thrown into prison because of a riot in the city and murder. In his desire to set Jesus free, Pilate addressed them again, but they shouted back, Crucify him! Crucify him! And for the third time he spoke to them, But what harm has this man done? I have found no case against him that deserves death, so I shall have him flogged and then let him go. But they kept on shouting at the top of their voices, demanding that he should be crucified, and their shouts kept growing louder. Pilate then gave his verdict. Their demand was to be granted. He released the man they asked for, who had been imprisoned because of rioting and murder and handed Jesus over to them to deal with as they pleased. As they were leading him away, they seized on a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and made him shoulder the cross and carry it behind Jesus. Large numbers of people followed him, and women too, who mourned and lamented for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, 
Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep rather for yourselves and for your children. For look, the days are surely coming when people will say, Blessed are those who are barren, the wombs that have never borne children, the breasts that have never suckled. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, to the hills, cover us. For if this is what is done to green wood, what will be done when the wood is dry? Now they were also leading out two others, criminals to be executed with him. When they reached the place called the Skull, there they crucified him and the two criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Then they cast lots to share out his clothing. The people stayed there watching. As for the leaders, they jeered at him with the words. He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too, coming up to him, offering him vinegar and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Above him there was inscription, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging there abused him. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us as well. But the other spoke up and rebuked him. Have you no fear of God at all? He said. You got the same sentence as he did, but in our case, we deserved it. We are paying for what we did, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He answered him, In truth I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and the sun's light failed, so that darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. The veil of the sanctuary was torn right down the middle. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. With these words, he breathed his last breath. Then the centurion saw what had taken place. He gave praise to God and said, Truly, this was an upright man. And when all the crowds who had gathered for the spectacle saw what had happened, they went home, beating their breasts. All his friends stood at a distance. So also did the women who had accompanied him from Galilee and saw all this happen. We will now hear a reflection on the full text from Father Maloney. The celebration of Palm Sunday each year is marked by the reading of the Passion for the Gospel that is the Gospel of that year. Year C is the year of Luke. And so on Palm Sunday, we read the Gospel story of Jesus' Passion as Luke reports it. It is impossible within the confines of our Audio Divina sessions to give an explanation of every passage in this long narrative. What I wish to do is to provide 
some of the highlights of the story as it is told by Luke in a way that may help you when you come to listen and share in the Passion Story on Palm Sunday to catch the unique insight that Luke has into the meaning of the death of Jesus. What I've just said presupposes an important thing about reading the New Testament sensibly. Behind all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the events recorded are the same. There is a meal, the prayer in Gethsemane, the arrest with Judas is a major player, a Jewish trial in Luke in the morning, probably closer to what happened, because in Matthew and Mark, it's in the middle of the night, which is most unlikely, followed by a Roman trial, which in Luke is special because Herod plays a role. That is followed by the way of the cross, the crucifixion itself, the death and the burial of Jesus. All four Gospels tell that story. But we must be aware that each Gospel has its own nuanced way of telling that story because they are not simply interested in telling us the facts of the story. They want to tell us what it means. The earliest church had to face the fact that their Messiah, who they had come to believe was the Son of God, had been ignominiously crucified. A death given only to the scum of society who had dared to rebel against the authority of Rome. This is the worst of all condemnations to death. And yet he is the Messiah. More than that, he is the Son of God. He is our Saviour. That's why St. Paul, well before Luke was written, can say, here we are preaching Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and stupidity to the Greeks. And it remains so. The belief in a crucified Messiah is a belief that really doesn't make human sense. And so through their narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John insinuate the meaning of the events, not just simply what happened on that Friday. So for our session today, I simply wish to point out a few, not all, but a few of the characteristics of the way Luke tells the story. Right from the beginning, we can notice that he handles the Last Supper differently. The report of the meal is much longer, and it has two parts. There is the traditional report of the actual meal and the words, what we call the words of institution, but they are different to Mark and Matthew. Only Luke has Jesus say to his disciples, do this in memory of me. Looking forward to a long history of a church and its mission, 
He commands the disciples celebrating the meal, seeing him use elements to indicate his broken body and his spilled blood. He tells them that they must go on doing this in memory of him. As the history of the church unfolds, they must continue to break their bodies and spill their blood in memory of him, and thus be not just people who celebrate Eucharist, but people who live Eucharist. The second part of the longer meal is Jesus' farewell discourse with his disciples, with a strong focus on Peter, on his weaknesses, and yet on his task to hold this fragile community together as it goes forth into mission. So the meal itself sets a main theme of the ongoing task of the church to be a Eucharistic people and to be involved even in its frailty in mission. When Luke comes to tell the story of Gethsemane, you will notice as you listen carefully, a lot of the anxiety and anguish is gone. Jesus is peaceful. There is no asking God to remove this chalice from him. But it is a dramatic moment. After the temptation of Jesus at the beginning of the Gospel, Luke commented that Satan departed and would not come back until the opportune time. In Gethsemane, as Jesus is arrested in the midst of his prayer, he says, this is your hour. Satan's time returns as violence enters Jesus' story. The main feature of Jesus' role in Gethsemane in Luke's Gospel is his praying, his radical openness to God in prayer, contrasted by the fact that the disciples do not pray. Peter plays a major role, as he does in all the Gospels, in the trial with the Jews, as I said earlier, set in Luke in the morning, which is probably what actually happened. But in Luke's Gospel, amid the denial of Peter and Jesus being condemned, we have Jesus gazing in forgiveness on Peter and Peter's breaking down in tears of repentance. So already as the suffering begins, the suffering Jesus forgives his failing disciple. The Roman trial is different because in the first place, Pilate tries to dismiss his responsibility. And if you listen carefully to the Roman trial, as Luke tells us, Pilate never seems convinced that the condemnation of Jesus is just. He initially tries to get rid of it, to step out of it. And so he sends Jesus off to Herod because he hears that Jesus is a Galilean. But Herod is a false king, and Herod is pompous, interested in playing games with this so-called Messiah, and Jesus will have nothing to do with him. This is a more serious business. And so Jesus comes back to Pilate, 
and almost unwillingly, he is forced to convict Jesus of a crime of which he is innocent. And this theme will emerge more and more as the passion story comes to its end. The way to Golgotha is longer. It begins with the seizing of Simon of Cyrene. And Luke makes a particular point of the fact that the cross is laid on his shoulders and he carries it behind Jesus. Simon of Cyrene becomes a model of the disciple carrying his cross as Jesus had asked his disciples to do way back in chapter 9 before he set out for Jerusalem. Most poignant, however, on the way to Golgotha is the beating of the breast and the wailing of the women as they show their sorrow over Jesus as he moves towards his death. And Jesus tells them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. And then he foretells, obviously, the work of Luke, the author, who is writing this after the collapse of Jerusalem in 70, that they need to care for their future because the days are coming when they would say how fortunate it would have been if they had never had children, if they'd never nourished children. You will call out to the hills, fall on us, cover us. And this is in fact what happens. The tragic destruction and the disaster of Jerusalem in 70 CE is on the lips of Jesus as he tells the women of Jerusalem what lies ahead of them. And then they come to Golgotha. There is so much here as the soldiers call him the King of the Jews, the Messiah. But the first thing Jesus says is, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then these thieves on the cross, hurling abuse at Jesus until one says no. This man is innocent. And to this person who recognises his innocence, Jesus says, this day you will be with me in paradise. But his accusers keep crying out, he saved others, let him save himself. And they have missed the point entirely. The death of Jesus is not about saving himself. It is about saving others. And so he goes to his death to save others. And as Jesus dies, darkness comes over the whole land, the sunlight failed, the curtain of the temple is torn into two. The Holy of Holies is open to the whole world. In Matthew and Mark, those events are a consequence of the death of Jesus. In Luke, they usher in the death of Jesus. They are reported before it happens, so that when it happens, we know that a new age is beginning. And this new age is proclaimed by the centurion, who doesn't say, 
as you find in Mark and Matthew. Truly this man was the son of God, but he says, truly this man was innocent. And that is immediately followed by the crowds who have seen all that took place, going home, beating their breasts in penance, recognising the tragedy of what has happened. It's an amazing account of the death of Jesus. Repentance begins immediately. Jesus' death saves. He has healed the severed ear of the high priest's slave. He has reconciled Peter with a loving glance. He has extended forgiveness to his executioners. He's invited a repentant criminal to join him in paradise, and the crowds are moved to repentance. And the burial is carried out by a man called Joseph of Arimathea, who came from the Jewish town in Galilee. And as he's buried, the women who also came with him from Galilee and who have been with him throughout his ministry saw the tomb and how his body was laid. The fierce and frantic action of the whole story slows down as they prepare spices and ointments, and on the Sabbath they rested according to the commandments. This is not the end of Jesus' story, and we wait patiently across Holy Week so that we might celebrate the end of the story in the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. Thanks for listening to Audio Divina. This concludes today's episode. Tune in next week on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday for reflections on the Gospels for each day.